Damn Fine TV would like to take a moment and thank our amazing patrons. You continue to blow us straight out of the way with your ongoing love and support. So first up, big thank you to Alyssa, Alex, Craig, Patrick, Ivy, Norman, Coral, Michael, Mitch, and Jen for your continued support. You are all really swell friends. Yes, indeed. And let's welcome our new patrons. First up, we have Jeremiah, Mr. Ring, Professor Jeremiah. May we offer you a gift? Would you take it? Oh, okay. Of Take the Ring fame, Jeremiah, you amaze us with your insightful look into Twin Peaks, and we are excited to have you on board. Now, if you'll just accept a small token of gratitude, we have a certain piece of jewelry to offer you. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeremiah. Yes. Next up, we have Amelia. Now, listeners and patrons may remember Amelia as the president of the Dale Cooper is highly sus, possibly even downright evil club. She's just not sure why he drinks all that coffee and why he's so nice to people. Like, who is he in cahoots with, she wonders. What's all the kerfuckus about? One thing she would agree on with our old buddy Dale is that a slice of pie can cure what ails you, especially if it's chair pie. Thanks for your support, Meals. Oh, thank you, Amelia. All right, next up we have Kyle. McLaughlin, is that you? Kyle, thank you for your support. We appreciate you taking time from your busy filming schedule. Oh, and also, you know, the wine thing. I can't, maybe you can tell us more about it when you come to the next hangout, right? Ooh, anyway, bring a bottle. Thank you. Yes, bring a <laughs> bottle. Thank you for taking time to uh, be with us here and our amazing patrons at Damn Fine TV. We feel like we've hit it big at the slots having you with us. Thank you, Kyle. Next up, we have Jenny. Now, don't be fooled by the rocks that she's got. She's still, and I can't stress this enough, she's still Jenny from the block. She used to have a little, now she's got a lot, but no matter where she goes, she knows where she came from. The bookhouse. <laughs> Jenny, we've got your number. We're so happy that you joined Damn Fine. Jenny, don't change that number. Eight, six, seven, you're so damn fine. Thanks, Jenny. Woo! Yeah, I love it. Uh, and last but certainly not least, we have Jess. Uh, we see her already in the White Lodge. So let's rock. Thank you for supporting Damn Fine TV, and we hope you find a tall cup of Damn Fine coffee or espresso as you roll those trees up. Stay hydrated, but remember, don't drink the water at the hotel. Check out at lady underscore of the official on Instagram for some truly magnificent specialty items in their shop. Thank you, Jess. Yes, thank you, <laughs> Jess. And thank you to all of our amazing patrons. It's been so fun to watch this community grow. We're so excited to have you with us. We love you guys. And here's to many more months together. Yes, thanks, y'all. <laughs> Place both wonderful and strange. 
calcium in meanwhile reminding you that my attitude is none of your fucking business i'm jasmine and wandering around the woods high as a kite i'm mel's welcome to damn fine tv's twin peaks rewatch this week we're covering the return part seven sometimes known as there's a body all right or as we're calling it fuck you tammy listeners now that we've got the pleasantries out of the way let's rock This episode first aired on June 18th, 2017. It was written by Mark Frost and David Lynch and directed by David Lynch. Well, right up front, I'd like to say a big fuck you, patrons. And I say that from a place of love, like immense, immense love. And I hope that my patrons, that our patrons know that. And I did want to say that because I wanted to address our patrons right up front because this is our Patreon-exclusive video for the month of March. Boom! Remembered to say it right out the gate. (laughs) We are so cool. (laughs) And I thought it was especially important to say fuck you patrons because I am dressed as Diane for the occasion. So if you would like to see me in my fancy wig and robe, the robe is actually great. Somebody else made it and that's probably why it's really great. But you can also see my eyeliner that was done with Q-tips and mascara. Okay. And if you want beauty tips, just hit me up on my Instagram. Okay. She's crafty. She's crafty. (laughs) It's very DIY in this house. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you look fucking fantastic. Thank you. Or should I say fuck you, Mel's? But again, with an abundance of love. It's like when uh, she takes the bottle of alcohol from Albert on the flight. I've always seen that as like a cheers instead of a fuck you. Absolutely. When I tell you the amount of fucks that were going on in this episode, it is nothing but love. Okay. Yeah. Like, honestly, when she says, fuck you, Tammy, I almost feel like she's like, Tammy has been accepted into the group. Like this is interesting reading. This was your hazing. This was your initiation. Now you get a fuck you. Okay. Goodbye. It does feel very (laughs) special. I mean, the way that Albert jokes about it, like, oh, now you're getting the personal treatment. It does kind of feel like you have to get that. Like if I ever met Diane and she didn't say, fuck you, I think I would feel like, oh, I just really don't matter that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about this episode. What are your overall thoughts? Fucking loved it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Listen, when I tell you the joy, I if there's something about opening an episode just with Jerry, right? Just fucking, like I immediately was in. Like I was in it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. again, beating a dead horse here. It's going to be very hard for me to ever say that there is not an episode of The Return that I do not enjoy. This one just felt like it had heavy moments. Don't get me wrong. I mean, all of the episodes are going to have heavy moments. It was so good. More Diane, of course, like I just said, that Jerry, we're getting some more of Beverly and what she's got going on. Yeah. Uh, we're we're kind of breaking into some major Briggs stuff. Um We get old, you know, we see Doc Hayward again. I mean, it's just so good. Just such a great episode. I could not wait to get on here and talk about it. Yeah. It's just, it's a great episode. It rules. It it rules. Yeah, Yeah. man. Like I, after watching, I mean, cause I had in my mind like, oh, this is the one where we see Diane and her amazing robe. That would be fun to dress up 
do for the video. So we should do this one for our video. But then after watching it, I was like, this is such a great episode. I'm so excited that we did pick this one because there's so much to dive into. I mean, like Ike the Spike takedown, more Janie E greatness, the sweeping scene. Like it's just, it's packed. There's no scene where I'm like, oh, you know, I love it because it's the return. But like, I don't know about this thing. Like the more challenging scenes, and I don't mean challenging in the way that like the hit and run scene is challenging. I mean, challenging like the sweeping scene, I think is really challenging for a lot of people, but it's a lot of what I love about this show. And so mix that in with extended Diane scenes, like, okay, here for it, here for every single second. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, I do have some damn fine facts this week, and it's a little bit of a damn fine facts behind the music edition. So let's first talk about the scene where Gordon is whistling. He is whistling. Now, I don't know how to say I don't know if it's just Ramstein or if you're supposed to say like Ramstein or Ramstein. I say Ramstein. Ramstein. Okay, there we go. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But (laughs) well, whatever they are, uh, he is whistling one of their songs called Engel. Mm It's like angel with a with an with an e, uh, and the only reason that I was interested in bringing that up is because that band also did the Lost Highway soundtrack. So I just love that there's that carryover, that carry through. That you know, why would Gordon Cole be whistling that? Well, because it's David Lynch, you know. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the second and final behind the music damn fine fact, final scene at the double R, we have a song called Sleepwalk playing, which also was in the movie Sleepwalkers, which Machen Amick was also a part of. Very cool connections. Guess what? A screenplay by Mr. Stephen King, everybody. Oh, that's right. Yes. I meant yes. Yes. When I was looking this up, I saw like uh Stephen King's Sleepwalkers. I totally meant to write that down. Good call. Yes. Yeah. Such a dumb movie, but I'm telling you, like, scared me the first time I watched it. Like uh in real time. Like, so like when it first came out, because obviously y'all all all know by now, superficial mama, big Stephen King fan. So we were always watching like any Stephen King. I was watching Cujo when I should not have been watching Cujo. Maybe not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I remember Sleepwalkers. It, I was terrified of cats for a very long time. Anyway, I rewatched it not too long ago and yeah. realized that it was matching in it. And I was like, oh, okay. Crossover. I didn't know I needed. Epic and crossover. So, yeah. yeah. All right. You ready to dive in? Oh, am I? Let's All right. Go. Well, we're going to kick things off, like Mel said, with Jerry Horn, who is quite possibly lost in the woods. He's on the phone with Brother Ben and has just realized how very, very high he is. Listen, that's why I named myself again. This is a Patreon video. So if you want to join the Patreon, we always kind of like name ourselves really funny things from the episode um, in our name box. I have dude, where's my car? Because it's just kind of like. Literally, he was the phone call to Ben. A, and this is just first thing that came to mind. Okay, I don't like do all the age shaming quite stuff, but I was just really like, can we get any more boomer than this? It's like Ben, like hello, hello, and Jerry's like hello, hello, and I'm like y'all, it's a telephone. Yeah, yeah, you know how (laughs) boomer alert. But aside from all of that. Uh, I just love it how he's like, I don't know where I'm at. Somebody stole my car. Did I mention that? And it's like, didn't I tell you? (laughs) It's just, I, I, but it's so 
honestly, it's scary. Like I yes. had a lot of, I felt a lot of tension during yes. that because I was like, you get the feeling. I know that Jerry's high. You usually get a little paranoid when you get too high. Okay. Um, I don't feel like he was alone in the, he was especially in the woods. I mean, the Ooh. woods of all places, but I was like, we don't, I love those moments where they're panning over the woods because the whole yeah. time I'm just scrambling through trying to find something that's out there. Like, is it a, a hallucination? Shadow, is a it shape, really there? A figure, something. an owl, a leaf yeah. moving yeah. something. And, but that's just so full of tent, like tension and everything. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So just really, really good. Uh, funny yet scary at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I was really struck by how concerned I was for him this time around, but cause it's yeah. always kind of played as comedic to me and, but yeah, very concerned for him. Also really digging his seasonal mishmash outfit, like the very tropical shirt, but he's also got fingerless gloves and a toque. I just think he's ready for anything. I mean, what is he's 100% not so ready sorry. for anything, but. What is a toque? Oh, his hat. <laughs> Maybe that's I was a Canadian like, thing. Is this something? Mm -hmm. Did I miss like, okay, 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 okay. I it's call like that his... like a sock hat. Okay. Well, I think it's mother's hat. I think it's, you know, Mama Horn's hat, but. She, she spat out some turds too, like old Mama Renault. But uh, yeah, yeah. okay, so d I like this though. Now when I see someone, I'd be like, cool toque, bro. Cool toque. Yeah, it's like a winter hat. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, All right, cool. well, at the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department, Hawk and Frank discuss Hawk's bathroom breakthrough, the missing pages of Laura Palmer's secret diary, one of which we saw Laura writing on in Fire Walk With Me with the information that Annie had just given her in a quote-unquote dream. So good. And it's just, like, right there. I know that they don't know what we know as the audience, right? Right. We've talked about this a lot about how this is just done so well in this show. And it's like you I wanted to scream the whole time, like the bad Cooper. It's Mr. You know, it's just like the person you saw is bad. And mm -hmm. it's like it's written right there for you. But they're kind of just like, I think this is what the log lady wanted me to know. But so I guess like where is good Cooper and who is bad? Cooper? You know, I just love this conversation, though. And also like. It's it's also Hawk trying to bring Frank up to speed because Frank wasn't in the picture when right. all this was going on, you yeah. know? Um, and I get the feeling that Harry probably didn't pass on a lot of information about this to Frank because, I mean, it has been 25 years. So yeah. I just love that it's Hawk who was actually there, you know, and like was in the moment with all this, trying to talk about this really crazy thing, someone disappearing in the woods and then coming back out and not being themselves to someone that's kind of like, uh-huh, right. So, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask Harry about this. It's, it's like, such an interesting dynamic between like, okay, yeah, Hawk, the person that was there when it all went down, Frank, the person that's being brought up to speed. There are these layers of like, Hawk is the old school fan. Frank is the new fan of the show. We're being, you know, maybe somebody that's watching for the first time for some reason, you know, is being brought up to speed on stuff. Like, I know that's how I felt my first time through, certainly. And I love, I loved Frank's line of Laura never met Cooper, right? It's shit that we know. It feels good to see them make this progress. But also, I think it's super interesting sometimes to like, pull back and be like, right, Laura never met Annie or Cooper. And yet, 
they're so important and essential to this story and it just feels like they all know each other. But yeah, sometimes it's good to like pull back and look at it through Frank's lens, kind of. Yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, so Frank does want to bring Harry up to speed, but you definitely get the sense that Harry is too sick, has bigger concerns than, you know, hearing about all of this. And it is it is Dick Tracy devastating. Yeah, and it's just so sad because it's like, oh, you know, I hate to hear that, like beat this thing. And I'm just like, damn. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. You know, I'm no, like, oh, gets me every time. All right, well, elsewhere in Twin Peaks, Andy is sweet, but he's so dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Why does he let this happen? Listen, y'all know how I feel about Andy, especially when it comes to the return. I'm like, listen, I don't know why we needed to dumb him down even further, but here we are. <laughs> but it just, it, just, it seems like he, like in this moment, he was the creator of the GIF. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Why does he let the, okay, like it's clear that something is going on with this man. He's desperate to get rid of Andy. Like he is losing his fucking mind, but that's just not how it works. <laughs> no. Like, and I just, I, I'll never understand this part. I'm not mad well, at I'll it. I'll never understand. I'm not mad at it. And I, I'll never understand either, but also just to understand like, why did you need to meet in a secret location as well to talk about these things? Like, like. It's still later on when we get to the scene where they're supposed to meet. I'm still just kind of like, I don't, I mean, I kind of, did you think he was going to show up? Because like, you should have known. That's why you shouldn't have left. That's why you should have taken care of it then. Yes. Nobody should ever be surprised that that, that that person did not show up. You know what I mean? No. And I mean, based on what we see later, I feel like this is kind of like negligence on Andy's part. And something happened to this man that Andy could have prevented, which is even worse than just being like, okay, it's cool if you don't want to talk now. Like what I do love about this like secret meeting spot is it feels like it feels like a bunch of red herrings to be like Sparkwood in 21 at 430, like 430. Like it just feels like a, a... a mishmashing of all of those things to get people like, oh, fuck, something's going to go down. Well, also, he gives an intersection. I guess we could talk more about it later, but there's no intersection. Mm-mm. Like where he's at, because I know he even says go past yeah. the pond a little bit, but I'm just kind of like, this looks like no, this looks like in the middle of the woods, no civilization, sir. He like, is like basically his car broke down and he's waiting for AAA. Like that's what it looks yeah. like. Exactly. So. Oh. Well, back at the sheriff's department, Frank talks with Doc Hayward about the night Cooper came out of the lodge. And this is one of those scenes that makes me love this show because there is no reason for us to, to need to see Frank calling Doc for his Skype handle. And yet we get to watch that. And it just it helps to create the whole vibe that this show is. And I, yeah. I, ne- I can never get enough of that. Like, why wouldn't we just watch them talk on the phone and then have a Skype call? Sure. I, and I love it, too, because, yeah, I mean, what what you just said, but then also the intricacies of getting into the Skype world. Not only do we have to pull a secret wooden lever from Ooh, the that desk, lever. And a little monitor rise up. It's all of it, though. And then it's the hunting and pecking. And I'm like, it just... <laughs> Yes, I did notice that. And I wondered if like Robert Forster knew how to type, but it was like a direction for him to like, no, 
Sheriff Frank would only use his index fingers. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I think the, the best part for me, though, legitimately is just, it's like a, when you pull a certain book and a hidden bookcase opens. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, okay, we've yes. got this secret lever in the desk and whoop, here it comes by Skype. <laughs> it's so cool. I love it so much. I mean, every time I see, like the, cam- the, the computer sends me every single fucking time I see yeah. it. Like, it's just, what a setup. But- also, the fact that technology would be inside of wood in Twin Peaks, yep. like that just tracks for me. Absolutely. It was so nice to see Doc Hayward and also just so bittersweet because, again, we've talked about this. I mean, we're 25 years later and it's like, gosh, the last time we saw Doc Hayward, I mean, he wasn't a, like I, I wrote in my notes, like the grandpa yeah. wholesome feeling between the two of them, you know, and I'm just like. The last time we saw Doc Hayward, he just, you know, he was having it out with Donna and he was like, I'm your daddy. And I always, you know, just <laughs> all of this. Right. And I, I love. And the he wasn't like, a young man then either. So, no, yeah. Right. I love the hat, like the little salute thing at the, when they're saying goodbye, the talking about fishing. Like it just it really is just like, you know, old man shit. But mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's and he has the ultimate dad joke about finding the trout in oh. his pajamas. I mean, it's, I laugh it gets that me loud, every okay. time. Yeah, and we do get some information here that we should mention. So that night uh, that Cooper came out of the lodge, he snuck out of intensive care, and Doc Hayward thinks that he might have been looking in on Audrey, who was in a coma from the bank explosion. Dun dun Gross. dun. Yeah. No, I mean, without knowing anything yeah. else, it just gives me a not good yucky vibe. Well, because we know it's Mr. C. Somebody's exactly. in a coma, so they have no agency. Faculties. Yeah. Yes. So what's he doing peeking in on her? Also, it's our first sort of mention of Audrey and what, you know, would have happened to her after that bank explosion. So... And like, that's something that Twin Peaks does really well. Like we get such a big hit of information inside of a conversation about like, how's the fishing going, Doc? Like, let me get your Skype handle. I don't remember asking for people's Skype handle, though. I always asked for the phone number or like, like, I was asking for the handle. Really? Well, maybe I'm remembering it all wrong. I, I. I don't know, but I, for some reason, and maybe it's because I was Skype, I would be Skyping with people that like I knew. So I would have the phone number for yeah. or something. Yeah, maybe. But it was just funny though, when he's like, cause immediately I was like, not the handle, like Twitter, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, let me get your socials. <laughs> yes. Doc, let me get your socials. Where can I follow you? <laughs> I know you. I know he's posting uh, pictures of the, those trout that he's catching. So you know, probably got trout a hot Instagram. Central. I mean, got trout. Isn't that what his hat? That's said? probably his Instagram name. <laughs> okay. Well, Lieutenant Knox arrives in Buckhorn and is stunned to learn there's a body. All right. I love that line. Yeah, I love that. It's just the way that that actor delivered it, where he was like. Mm. Old yeah, Dumpy Dave. Yeah, there's a body, all right. Yeah, Old Dumpy <laughs> Dave. Yeah. I just, I don't know what it is. It's just, I, I don't know. Like, he obviously doesn't know what she knows. Exactly. You know, so yeah. it's just great for him to be like, why wouldn't there be a body? Right? You know, like, like, he, like, she's coming from a place of like, well, we've had so many hits on these prints. So, like, just show me where you lifted them from. And he's just like, he doesn't know anything about this. So he's like, 
from the body, ding dong. Like, where else would we have gotten the prince? Like, what are you talking about? It's it's like more of that absurdist humor that we were kind of talking about last week, but it's it's great. Yeah. I mean, the headline for me here, though, is the guy obviously walking down the hallway as Lieutenant Knox is on the phone. I mean, does she see him? What's your take? Okay. I know we talked about this last time. I specifically recall while I was watching it this time, you asking me this. It's it's so like it's so hard the way that it's played. It's like, does she feel something but doesn't see it? Right. And I, I wanna almost go with that because I'm sorry, but I feel like if I was on a phone call and I turned around and I saw a per- like something like that scooting down the hallway towards me, I wouldn't have just turned back around and kept up with my phone call. I would have right. scooted back into the morgue. You know what I mean? Yes. it would, Or like double take or make some sort of reaction towards it. So yeah, yeah, I think she senses something. She maybe even like, I know this is weird, but like smells something, you right. know? But I don't think she sees... Doesn't look like he's bathed in a while. Well... And if we think maybe he's connected with the lodge, there could be some scorched engine oil smells like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. because to me, he does remind me of these like sooty people from Firewalk with me that were yes. in the convenience store. But there was also a sooty person in Fat Trout Trailer Park. So mm-hmm. and but, we've seen one in the jail cell. Exactly. The other connection. Yeah. So. I agree. Like, I, I think she, like, feels a presence but does not see this person. Unless she's just yeah. like, okay, cool, whatever. Just, like, a weirdo walking behind me. I mean, she's in the military or Air Force. I mean, yeah, uh, she's probably tougher than we are. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, and that could very well be. I just, it, it just seems to me, like, with the circumstances that would be surrounding yes. the information she just found out. Like, she knows that this obviously, well... The prints that are Major Briggs' prints have to be, they're from this body, but nothing matches up with Major Briggs. He should be way older than this person is. He should not, like, he's been gone all the, or he died, quote unquote, 25 years ago. So, like, yeah, he wouldn't have been dead as to the past few days. So it feels like with all of that eerie shit going by, the, plus that he doesn't have a head. Yeah, uh, it just seems to me like if you've got all of that and you're making the phone call to your commander or whoever and you're like, uh, we got some weird shit going on here. If you then turn around and saw that, you would be like, um, I don't know what's going on here. You know what I mean? Like you would feels like you would make some mention. Of I agree. Some, or like, I agree. And I would have to assume because he he is accompanied by like electrical sounds, um, staticky buzziness. Sometimes I wonder if the people around where this is happening, can they hear the electricity or is that also contained to like, like, because if they can smell these beings, which again is super weird, I could smell you getting off the elevator, but I mean, can they also hear these sounds that are coming with them? I don't know. That's very interesting. I mean, yeah, because obviously I really picked up, we mentioned this when we started the coverage of the return, I was going to really pay attention to a lot of the sounds and yeah. I've really been doing that. And I find it, I I find it cool in this, I guess, weird way that my first time through that always felt like background noise because I was more focused on the dialogue and whatnot. This time through, it feels so much louder 
than the dialogue. And so it's almost like, how could I have reversed it in my mind that first time around? Probably just because I was wanting to know, like, you know, well, you're wanting to know logistics of things, not all the other layers of like ambiance and shit. Exactly. And so this time it's almost like her, like her voice was just drowned out by the ferocity of this sound while that, sooty guy or sooty thing or presence was you know walking behind her yeah and it happened immediately like when you saw them like come around the corner back there and it was just like and it got louder and louder and louder and louder as he got closer so listen to the sounds for sure you know well at fbi hq in philadelphia albert makes gordon say please (laughs) i mean quit fucking fooling gordon you can hear people. <laughs> Don't play around, fool. Quit okay. it. So obviously Albert it, didn't have very good luck with his meeting with Diane. No fucking way, as she put it. And so, you know, it's Gordon's turn, but he wants Albert to go with him. And all Albert wants is for Gordon to say, please. What? Listen, you heard me. <laughs> I love it. Like, I love the Harry and Cooper friendship dynamic yeah. relationship. Yeah. I love... Gordon and Albert just as much, especially in the return. I just love it because Albert's just like, hmm, yeah, it didn't work out. Anyways, I was also like, you know, catching pneumonia. How was your night? Yes. Like, I just yeah. love this interaction because he just comes in on Gordon, who's just propped up, fucking whistling Rammstein. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that it's like, Gordon's like, well, I can't do it without you, Albert. You know, and he's like, well, you know what to say. It's just, it's just so great. I think they're, like, you talking about Coop and Harry, they have less, like, not that this is animosity, but I don't think Coop and Harry would, like, play with each other in this way. Like, Gordon and Albert, I think, have the benefit of knowing each other for so long, and it's a very fun relationship to watch on screen. Absolutely. All right, well, let's go to Diane's apartment uh, where Albert and Gordon somehow managed to convince Diane to meet with Mr. C in Buckhorn. First of all, Diane's apartment is fucking gorgeous and it is styled oh. perfectly for this character. And I can't even explain. Modern. Yes, and I can't even explain why, but it's it's like when Laura Dern turned around in last week's episode and we were like, that is Diane. She is a whole person. She is right there. When we walk into her apartment, I'm like, yeah, like it just works. And it's something I can't explain. Like I can't explain so many of my feelings around Twin Peaks, but I walk in and I'm like, this just tracks. Like I don't have any questions about any of this design. It all feels very purposeful yet natural. But yeah, the two details that I really care about in this scene is the fact that number one, Diane is happy that Cooper is in prison, which is like. What the fuck? Why? Right? Mm -hmm. And this whole case involves something that Diane knows about. But that's enough said about that. Mm -hmm. I love this. I love this mystery. So good. Well, obviously, because right off the bat, I'm like, uh, yeah, like you said, that's how we're going to say about that. I'm like, no, I need you to say more. Say more. (laughs) Say all of it. (laughs) What are we talking about here? Like, that's it just does such a great job of building building a mystery and choosing sing so carefully. carefully i mean really but um i don't know like i <laughs> i can't even put into words it's very hard for me honestly to put into words like 
everything when it comes to Diane and Diane's specific uh, scenes, storylines, uh, dialogue, whatever with her, it's not chaotic in a bad way, but it's like there's so much there. Yes. That we have no clue because really, this is how I look at it. I'm like, she was not a real quote unquote person until just last episode. Right. Like she's always just been this person that Cooper talked to on his tape recorder. And so everything is a mystery with Diane. Like, what is it that she would know? And all of these things that we shouldn't already know because we listened to Cooper talk to her all through seasons one and two. Right. You, do you see where I'm going with yeah. that? Like, it just feels like, yeah. So it's obviously something I'm assuming that's happened like in the past 25 years, like something else that was going on that we just haven't gotten to yet, but it feels very sinister. Oh, sinister for sure. And I think the fact that she's pleased that Cooper is in prison adds to that sinister nature. Yeah. Because we're like, what the fuck? Like, why would you be happy about that? What are you already involved with? It's all very good. And yet there's a lightness to it as well. Because like we said before, the way she says fuck you does feel like a a term of endearment to some people, right? Um, But even the fact that she's like, I don't have any coffee and I don't have any cigarettes either. But then within like 30 seconds. But as she's smoking. Sure, but those are her cigarettes. And I understand that. (laughs) But she does go to get coffee like 30 seconds later. So she's still like, you know, there are pleasantries between them. Right. And it does give it this layer of like, all right, they are old friends. There is like a it's like a healthy banter that longtime friends have or something. But it feels like it comes off, you know, like nothing feels written, if that makes sense. Like it doesn't feel like it's a written story that someone has concocted with with characters. It just feels authentic and real and you can tell there's so much history there with such little said you know what I'm saying like the body language towards between the three of them and the way Gordon is like oh thank you Diane when she does bring the coffee you know it's kind of like he was he has a little smile too and he's so like yeah I it's interesting because the the apartment Diane's style everything that you just said, like their conversation, the history between them, it does have this sense of like everything's been kind of curated in a very specific way. But it's reminding me of like the Diane Keaton episode from season two in terms of contrast, because like it's curated, but naturally like it feels right. Whereas if somebody else tried to do like if you tried to recreate this and you weren't David Lynch, Miguel Ferrer and uh, Laura Dern, Like, it just couldn't quite be done. Like, it's kind of like the costume that I'm wearing right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you're kind of there, but you're not really there. But. Oh, you're there. It's But it's a weird thing between, like, feeling curated and knowing, like, these were specific choices, but they feel so natural. All right. Well, on the plane to South Dakota, Diane drinks and the FBI discuss fingerprints, spiritual mounds, and the girl from Ipanema. And Mel's, I got to ask you. How hot were you for Mr. C and that fancy ass tropical paradise photo? I will read you word for word what I have in my notes. Let's hear it. Not Mr. C looking fine as fucking wine in Rio. Okay. Knew it. Knew it. This man could wreck my (laughs) life. Do you hear me? (laughs) Wreck it. The hair, the tan, the white suit. 
the backdrop. I'm sorry, that's his house? When can I come over? Surrendered. (laughs) That's it. I knew it. I fucking knew you'd be so hot for him in that photo. I just knew it. Oh, I got another part where I was creaming my pants over him too, but we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, all right. Yeah, listen, Mr. C is fucking hot, all right? You heard it here for, I mean, first, but also like probably the sixth, seventh time at this point. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. What else happened? The I guess the the most interesting part to me on this plane ride is the way that Diane is listening in, maybe, but also like I think gearing herself up for what's to come. And I love that there's like kind of a line walking there because I actually can't tell how much she's listening in and how much she's interested in that conversation versus like, is she trying to just like get in her own head and like prepare for this meeting? Like, I love that I can't fully read her in this moment. Yeah, agreed, agreed. What she's overhearing, because I know that she's hearing what they're talking about back there, but it's really great kind of foreshadowing to set up when she does meet with Mr. C at the prison because she's getting these little tidbits of information like the spiritual mound fingerprint is inverted or reversed. Like it's these little bits of information where it's like, okay, so there's not, there's something not quite there. There's something that's not Cooper Mm. in this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like you said, she's preparing herself, but I think she's also taking in this information that Tammy is discussing with Gordon and Albert. You know, maybe not just to prepare herself because maybe she already knows something. There's something... This just does well, not feel like the Diane that would be excited to see who was talking to her on the um, tape recorder all those years. Exactly. Right? right. And also Gordon's line, yes, a man we met in prison. I love that line. Yeah. That's so great. Agreed. At Yankton Federal Prison, Diane meets with Mr. C and they discuss that one night, one night. But I'm kind of guessing it wasn't the kind of night people are writing songs about. For real, though, how did Laura Dern not get a single fucking award for this show? How does she not have more recognition for this role? Because from fuck you, Tammy, to telling Gordon that they'll have a conversation about that one night later on, she does not miss a single fucking beat. Yeah. And her face, when it's framed against the black background, red top, white hair, I mean, I could have turned the show off and been like, I'm satisfied. That's a perfect shot. I want to remember that forever. This sequence is fantastic. I mean, couldn't agree more. It's it's so the contrast to between Mr. C's demeanor and Diane's demeanor when they're interacting. It is scary. Yes. And... He is like him answering questions with questions like that age old, you know, like wiggling out of like talking about something, you know, like uh, just the whole thing. Like, yeah, you know, she's nervous going into it Um, when she turns everything on, opens it up, try, you know, tries to have a conversation with him. And it's just the way that she immediately shuts the car, like it's done with it. And, and then how she feels afterwards when she's talking to Gordon, ooh-wee, so good. You get the Uh, sense that he is messing with her. 
Yeah, especially like I wrote down when he was like, "I think you're upset with me," oh, and then like I'll 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 always remember that night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know what you mean, Diane. You know, just like or ugh. I knew it would be you when he first sees her. The whole yeah. thing is so skeezy, greasy. I mean, I want to say sin- sinister. We just said that it's something even more than that. Like it's like a skin crawling creepy uncomfortable feeling yeah uh and the other i wanted to say mr c's voice is distorted again so it's got to be this setup that's doing that so it's not Mm -hmm. just the prison or it's maybe not the prison at all it's this setup for sure yeah uh and then of course yeah they sort of debrief outside and i just it's in this moment that i think i fall in love with her the most where she's like it's not it's not, it isn't time passing or how he's changed or the way he looks. It's something here. And she puts her fist on her chest, something that definitely isn't here. Oof. And then she I hugs know. Gordon. And I fucking hate that this man doesn't hug her back because as if Gordon doesn't want to hug Laura Dern or Diane, <laughs> whatever. But or I mean, as like, if David come Lynch on. doesn't want to hug Laura Dern. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. you already watched Tammy's ass walk away. Why are you not hugging this woman? As if he feels uncomfortable. Irritates me. Yeah, no, I know. It is. It's irritating. Very irritating. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's because Gordon, like, I I try to think, like, is is Gordon scared also? Like, because I don't know, like, what they were expecting to come out of Tammy. Oh, my God. Diane (laughs) meeting. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. I'll write you off this show. Canceled. (laughs) Canceled. Um... (laughs) No, of what, like, what, what was he expecting Diane to uncover or was he expecting her to say or like confirm that it's Cooper? Like, wh- I, I wanted to, I wish I knew a little bit more about what he really was expecting right. from Diane. So I don't know if he's taking a, taken aback because it's just fully not what he was expecting at all. And it's a lot worse than maybe he was thinking it was going to be. Like Diane's like, not such co- a tough cookie that right yeah. like she wouldn't be crying and this visibly upset mm-hmm. and, and saying these words yeah so i don't know but yeah. regardless he still should have comforted her because he did drag her out and she was perfectly content with old sugar baby uh, leaving her house yes okay like she didn't want none of this shit and then he drug her into it like the least you could do is be a little warm to her and his response to when he was like that's good enough for me diane i I thought that was such a genuine and heartfelt response. Like, I trust you. That's, you know. And then for him to just not reciprocate the hug, I don't know. Yeah. Um, And then really quickly, back inside the prison, Mr. C tells a guard he wants to talk to the warden about a strawberry. This is where um, I have to tell you. Oh, is it because of his bum? Damn, can those prison jeans get any tighter? Bounce a quarter off that devilish ass. I mean, what is with this prison, get like this uniform costume? What, I don't know what you call it, but like that is not, uh, Orange is the New Black lied to me. Wentworth lied to me. Like that is not what they're wearing. Let me tell you something. That man said, if you're going to jail me, my ass is going to look good. Okay, so I'm going to need the best form-fitting, but lifting prison jeans you got up in this place. He said, give me one size smaller than it says on all my shit. I want people to see my junk. 
I mean, it was so tight. I could not believe it. I was taken aback. I was like, sir, excuse, sir. Bitch, you out of order. What are you doing? Good golly. Nobody's <laughs> supposed to look like that. Okay. Jailhouse rock in the front of those pants. <laughs> <laughs> like a rock. <laughs> I was hard as I could ooh, be. Ooh. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, those okay. pants were fucking tight. It was weird. <laughs> It wasn't weird for me. No, I rewind it five I know. times. I, I was like, do, 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 do. Uh-huh. Let me see you walk into that jail cell mm-hmm. one more time. Do, 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 do. Uh-huh. Perfect. <laughs> that is not the scene I expected for you to bring back up, but here for it. Love it. That was it. it. Yep. All right. Well, we get a beautiful shot of the wondrous woods in Twin Peaks, accompanied by some of the original theme music uh, while Andy and then we see Andy is waiting at the rendezvous point, but the truck owner never shows. Yeah. And so that's what I was saying earlier. Like, this does not look like it is anywhere near civilization. I'm just very confused by the directions that were given. I mean, he ha- he gives a clear intersection. And, then and we know that intersection. Uh, yeah, we know Sparkwood and go just a little bit past the pond, and I'm like, the f- where are you? And I at Out first by I'm the like, Joneses, like, yeah, I'm like, Andy, do you not, do you not know where you're at? Very big possibility. That's that's <laughs> very possible. Did you get lost? I just have but, like a uh, brainwave of past the Joneses or out by the Joneses. Of course, Dougie, Janie, Doug- and Sunny yes. Jim Jones. Yeah, sorry, that oh, like just came to me. This whole thing was very uneasy feeling. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. Um, obviously, also, when we get the shot of the home that Andy was at, I mean, the door wide open, yes. the music, everything. But I do have a very piercing question. Oh, okay. Where did Andy get a Rolex from? Anybody else wondering this? <laughs> also, it's apparently like five or six grand for that particular uh, yeah, Rolex. I looked it up. So... I mean, it was a gift. It's just hilarious to me that he that he of all people is checking a Rolex. Did and Wally honestly, like I kind of <laughs> wish it was like a light up Timex. You me know, too. like I would have loved if he just pulled out a plastic ass wristwatch and put on that little neon glow in the dark thing to see that it was five oh five. That would have been from, very from good. Kmart. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, it does say, so it does say 505. So he's been waiting for like 35 minutes. Bless his little fucking heart. But it also says 10. And I assume that's the date, but there's yes. no month. Nope. So those watches, they have the, yes, they just have the date. The number. Yeah. Well, then that feels like a very specific choice to have people yeah. saying, well, it's the 10th of something. I mean, we got January, February, March, April, May. We got 12 to pick from, but. It was probably specific to not put a month, but to have a date. Yes. I do know that there are not Rolex brand watches out there that do have that. Because I, I, like, one of the first gifts Scott Edward gave me before we got married was this. He had, like, a blue-faced Swiss Army watch. He got me the the little women's version and had a pink face on it. Oh. But it had the date and not the month. Interesting. So, and, okay. So yeah, okay. I don't. I think that was purposeful. It just still blows my mind of why Andy. But it's have a Rolex. specifically a Rolex. Like if there are other yeah. brands that are doing this, then yeah. No, I know. It it feels weird for sure. 
Okay, back in South Dakota, Mr. C gets his meeting with Warden Murphy, where he schools the man on basic dog anatomy and proves he's got enough dirt on the man to fill the Grand Canyon. Listen, when he said that dog had four legs, I burst out laughing because I was like, thank you for laying it out for us. Like, thank you for letting us know how dogs work. Thank you for showing us that you are book smart. He really is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He He had that education. He ain't just for these streets, baby. No. He's for the books. Yes. Yeah. He had those Encyclopedia Britannicas. He had the satanic version. Like, he had the satanic (laughs) Britannica. Satanic Britannica. Yes. Maybe if it had been a three-legged dog, just to clarify, you'd be like, now this dog did only have three legs. So there are only two (laughs) other legs out there circulating with information instead of the three, right? But yeah, that that point just seemed like, okay, all right. And? And don't get me started. Let me tell you the first thing that pops in my mind. This is so stupid. Slight spoiler alert, but I'm not trying to spoil it too much. Not about Twin Peaks. It's about the leftovers. Mm. But they're like when we get to a certain part in the leftovers and one of the characters has carrier pigeons that have like notes on them. Oh, yeah. For some reason, when he starts talking about these legs are out in the world with this information that you're thinking about, That's all I could think about, about was like, <laughs> these legs are like carrier pigeons with little notes wrapped around. I them. love that. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's a that's kind of I didn't picture the carrier pigeon thing, but yeah, just like a leg with like a you know one of those ties with a tag, like a yes. gift tag, and it's just got a little jotted note. Like, but I mean, honestly, whatever whatever he knows, uh, he says the name Joe McCluskey, which is a big deal. Mister Strawberry was obviously also a big deal. So whatever this information is, like it's enough for the warden to be shit in his pants. Uh, yeah. Enough for him to be like, fine, what do you want? I I think he already knew the levity of the situation because, I mean, well, I say that for two reasons. Either he thought he was going to get the best of Mr. C by turning off those security cameras and letting them speak freely, but then... But then brandishing the gun. But then also, I mean, when Mr. C laid it on him that, you know, the X, Y, and Z of the situation. It was kind of like... When he dropped that dog anatomy fact on him, he was like, fuck. <laughs> when he schooled his ass just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, at Lucky 7 Insurance, the absurdist comedy continues as the detectives Fusco ask Mr. D and Janie E about his missing or possibly stolen car. This scene gives me who's on first vibes. And I know that that reference is, like, very outdated at this point. Like, I have a feeling that maybe half or more of the people listening will have zero fucking clue what I'm talking about. You should Google who's on first. It's, like, a classic comedic thing. And it's obviously not a one-for-one here, but just, like, the back and forth of, like, well, we're here about the car. Well, that's what I'm here about. Well, uh, was it stolen? Stolen. Well, when did you notice it was missing? Well, if we fucking knew, it wouldn't be missing. Like, just those vibes, that back and forth. It's so funny to me. Yeah, this was a great scene. I mean, first it just started right off the bat with her stomping up to Dougie's office. I mean, get... <laughs> if you watch you- the way she walks past the window, it is, she is full stride. Like, she might as well be lunging her way to the office. Bitch, that's a power walk. Okay? Yes. That's more than, I mean, that's like a. She's not here to play. Oof, no. Mm-mm. It's like I was saying last episode. The Janie E this time around is just giving me fucking girl boss, like boss bitch 
Yes. You cannot fuck with me vibes, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Like, she is, fuck it, I'm tired of waiting on your ass. <laughs> I'm stomping up there. I do want to say this. I'm still on the balloon bullshit. Yep, yep. Now there were three red balloons. Anyway, but she fucking marches in there, and then she hands the, the Fusco bros their ass on a silver platter, much like she took care of those fucking ne'er-do-wells last week. Yes, very similar. And she was just like, are we done here? Isn't that your department? I just, <laughs> when yeah. I tell you, I want to be Janie E when I grow up, oh, okay? Same. Oh. And I loved how she schooled them when she was like, and if you think my son is at home by himself, no, the neighbor is watching him <laughs> for a favor. That little detail, it's like, nobody asked, but let me tell you, okay? Before Ugh. you even go there, bitch, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't have time for any fucking nonsense, and I am I have all the time in the world for her and her attitude. All and even it. when Bushnell was like, uh, we need to go over those case files, all Janie had to do was, like, raise her eyebrow a little bit, like, give him a little bit of a look, and he was like, <laughs> we'll do it tomorrow. It's fine. We'll do it tomorrow. Ooh. A great scene. The, the detectives, I, I feel a little bit warmer towards them on this watch. Typically, I can't stand them, but... Just enjoying the flow of this scene and the back and forth, I was like, all right, I, I can get on board with you three for right now. We'll see what they're, happens they're later. They're okay. Yeah. Well, then as they are leaving Lucky 7, Mr. D and Janie E become hashtag couple goals as they thwart Ike the Spike's attacks. And that wasn't Douglas Jones moving like a cobra. That was Dale Cooper. I was so hyped up in yes, that moment. I mean, so not hyped. just because what you just said, like there was obviously Dale Cooper instincts coming through because mm-hmm. we all know the little bit of Dougie we got in the beginning would have never. He'd have been dead, DOA. All right. He would have been done. Toe tagged. He's done. Yep. But the fact that he, he Cobra. Yeah. He was all <laughs> up in that. But Jamie E was just beating the shit out of Ike's head. Just like, bam, bam, bam. I think if that was me in that situation, I'd be scared shitless that someone was running at me with a fucking pick. Like, if my husband had pushed me out of the way, I would have been like, I'm meant to be out of the way. Let me stay the fuck over here. And she was like, not today, bitch. And she jumped on him like a flea on a dog. Get off of him. Get off of him. Oh, my God. She's fantastic. And then you have the arm yelling, squeeze his hand off. <laughs> but the whole thing was fantastic. It's so good. I mean, like, why does the arm come through in that moment? It, it is kind of similar to how, like, Mr. D has been getting help at all of these different points, like, from the lodge. At least we assume, right? Maybe this is our, maybe this is the thing to tell us, like, yes, he has been getting help from the lodge all along. Like, here's the kind of the proof because it's the arm and we can see it for a fact, right? But it's so funny that that is the advice. Like, it's so, it seems so arbitrary at first, but then, like, it's obviously going to be super helpful because that's a huge piece of DNA that's, like, left behind. And for the first time around, it actually reminded me of the skin that... Uh, dumpy old Dave found in Bill Hastings' trunk. It sure does. Yeah. I, yes, I got that too. But how did how did the skin get burned off? Mm, he squeezed. Made it. me wonder if this is crazy talk. When the arm appeared with all of that electricity, if it wasn't charging Ooh. Dougie in some way, and that like whatever that voltage or something was running through that would sear off like the top layer Love or that. a couple of layers of skin onto that 
gun because honestly, if you're just in like a struggle with someone, I did I just don't think your skin's just gonna rip off like that. I mean, like that's heavy duty was a thick piece of skin. Like I'm rubbing yeah. my hand right now to see like how hard you would have to push to grip that amount of skin. Ugh, I don't know. Maybe Ike the Spike yeah. has loose skin. I I don't know his. He is eating just Not hot dogs. He's just eating hot dogs with ketchup. I don't know about his nutrition values. Like he's he's deficient in some vitamins. In okay. all the ones that make your skin good or whatever. <laughs> he needs collagen. That's it. I mean, maybe. What do you think about how in the aftermath of all of this? To me, it's like we become like all of a sudden it becomes CSI or like Law and Order or like some oh, sort yeah. of cop show. Bad boys, bad boys. Sure, yeah. It felt very cops. I love her statement to the police where she was like, and then Dougie was like, you're not going to do this. And I was like, Dougie didn't say a damn word, (laughs) first of all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I just like, I, I don't know. Like, it seems like, Fairly silly, like it shouldn't fit in some weird way for us to get like a a little montage like that, but it works. It It felt just so great, you know? And then you have just Dougie just standing there like... Just trying to touch the badge again. (laughs) And then we do get that detail because I, I had in my notes a question like, okay, so, you know, apart from the arm coming through the pavement and helping Dougie out with that part or Mr. D, how did Cooper know... To like fucking karate chop this guy in the throat. Like what tipped him off? And I like with the interview with the little girl where he said that he smelled funny. So that's why earlier when I was like, did did they smell him coming off the elevator? Like, was there a sense awareness that Cooper had that was like, that's lodge shit? Like, Mm, yes. Okay, so at the Great Northern, Ben and Beverly search for the source of a strange humming sound, and we learn that Cooper's room key has been returned. I'm going to be honest with you. The humming hurt my head. (laughs) It's supposed to be that, I'm sure. It didn't. It was not pleasant to the ears. Like the actual sound of it? or Okay. No, yeah, like it was too much huh interesting and so i don't know like if i'm like i was saying i'm trying to be more tapped into the sensory stuff but it's like i couldn't even focus on what ben and beverly were doing talking about because hmm. the hum was just so overpowering to yeah me. that's never been the case for me but i can totally see why and i think that's such a Because I imagine for Ben and Beverly, it's also kind of overwhelming because they're actually in that space. So talk about like putting you in the perspective of the characters. Do you have any ideas on what the humming is? I think we talked about this in our first go around of the return, but the conversation about the key at the same time as this humming and the way that the key is framed has always led me to believe that this has something to do with Josie. Because the key is referred to not as the room where Cooper stayed, but the room where Agent Cooper was shot. And we know that right. Josie shot Cooper. And we and do we know that she's stuck in the walls of the Great Northern. Exactly. And the fact that we end the scene kind of like zooming in to the walls, the wood of the building, right? So, yeah, to me, it's always just kind of screamed or hummed Josie but I don't know did you get anything not different Jos- this time around not Josie having choir practice in the walls Bitch, oh, shut up. I mean maybe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can be a ghost in the walls we don't need to hear you okay <laughs> she must be so bored though get it but up oh 
<laughs> that was a good one. Mm. I, I could totally see that. You know, we kind of, we end that scene with the perspective of it's definitely like in the walls or like in the hotel itself. You know, like the hotel is alive in some weird way. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and we're supposed to read that there's some sexual tension here, right? Between Ben and Beverly. Like it's not sort of just coming from Ben, but there's a bit of a yeah. reciprocal thing here from Beverly. Yeah, she better watch out. He likes feet. Oh, no. Why'd you bring that back to my memory? Oh, God. That's all I could think of. Oh, God. That he was sitting there imagining sucking on them little Beverly toes Fuck. up there. Oh, God. Hopefully he does not bring little Elvis. My goodness. <laughs> Oh, oh no, let's move on. Well, like I alluded to, we do follow Beverly home and get a little peek inside her personal life. And basically the TLDR here is that things are rough. That was sad. I mean, so what I'm gathering from it is she's been at home with Tom, her husband, for all this time or whatever, but now she's had to get a, a job to to make ends meet or help out in some kind of way. Um, but there's some kind of weird jealousy there. I don't know if it's because Ben Horn maybe has a rep about town and Tom knows about it. Maybe. Um, I, I don't know, but there was a lot of tension there, especially when she, it was very hard to see her lash out at a very sick person. Not saying that Tom wasn't kind of, you know, right being i don't want to say disrespectful but i mean he was being a little twattish in the moment himself himself but it was very hard for me to see her lash out you know don't fuck this up don't fuck with me tom you know and i'm like yeah what yeah like are you i i've never been a caretaker for someone that's ill so i what I can imagine or what I've gathered from people in my life that have been in that situation, it is a very stressful, it is very draining. It is very easy for you to be angry at the situation in your life that you you're put, you know, in yeah. that situation. Right. And then to try to go out and do something where you're bringing in some income or you're trying to do something to, I don't know, break the monotony who knows what it is, but then just to be met with, because then you also have to think about the perspective of the ill person. Mm -hmm. It's like, maybe he just wants her at home with her because he is so ill, but there was just something very off about the way she was like, don't fuck with me. I don't know. I just kind of was like, I love, so I think this scene is probably really challenging for a lot of people. Cause it's like, who the fuck is Beverly? Who the fuck is Tom? Why do I give a shit about these people? And yet the way that you just broke all of that down is exactly what I love about this scene. Like I come away from that scene and I feel so many things. I feel for Beverly. I feel for Tom. I don't know who these people are. I don't know their dynamic. I don't know if Tom is a Leo type. Like that's the last person we saw kind of being cared for in a home. Beverly clearly has eyes for Ben. That's icky. But also like she's fucking stressed out. Uh, But maybe Tom is the nicest guy and Beverly, like, we just don't know. There's so much unknown here. And I come away from the scene just so struck by the fact that I care for both of these people that I barely fucking know. And I want to know more. And it has me thinking about just like life and the human condition in general and how complex everything is. 
not a lot of shows make me sit back and reflect on that kind of thing. The like almost the mundanity of, well, he's sick. He's sick. And so he gets to have this perspective. But okay, but she's taking care of him. So what does that mean for her? And it's like, who the fuck are these people? Like, why does it matter? (laughs) I know. I know. It kind of reminds me of stuff we were saying last week where maybe this entire show is just about, you know, thinking where does your compassion end and can you have more compassion and can you be a little less judgmental and yeah for sure for sure okay well at the roadhouse we get some of the most epic closure this series has ever delivered when we finally see those dirty ass floors getting a very long awaited sweeping listen you already know what i'm about to say i'm gonna say it anyways man you had one fucking job we watched it for a very long time we watched you sweep, and it was very satisfying. When I tell you, again, in the trance, I was in the trance. I was like, this is calming. This is soothing. I lo- Even though the Booker T, like, the, the yeah, music over it's it, like, it's, not, it's not like, it's a, it's a funky hit. Yeah. But it was like the, the mix between that and just the mundane act of sweeping. But my, my man, you left two pieces outside the pile he did but i feel like you are he, right there i feel like he doesn't get a chance to finish because the scene cuts before he can finish okay well i'll is give him so that. infuriating i mean that well, I that one piece that. is way outside though it's like you could have dealt with that earlier absolutely yeah that's exactly what i was about to yeah. say like where we were at in the sweeping yeah that moment, is an oversight you were you had moved on from that section yeah. of the floor okay yeah. And when you move on and you keep doing the job, it does make me feel like you're not going to go back to that. You're not going back to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. No, it's frustrating. But it's also one of the best scenes ever. And I think it's another challenging one for people. Like, I'm sure this is a scene where people are like, what the fuck? Fuck you. This is stupid. (laughs) Like, why am I watching this? But it's funny because it is a what the fuck. But I feel like it's a what the fuck in such a good way. I, I, it's like I think we've talked about this. It's a bit of a palate cleanser mm-hmm. because for for a couple of reasons, what happens after this scene, what also happens during this scene when right. we're, when Jean Michel is speaking, yeah. But then also what we just witnessed with Beverly and Tom. So we kind of needed a little break of something. Um, I think Jeremiah mentioned this like meditative or it might have been you like just that like something to sit there and be like, let me collect myself, everything. Let's just watch him do something that's, I think, very satisfying, whether you enjoy uh, cleaning or not. There's something very satisfying about watching someone remove a mess, remove dirt, remove clutter. And you have clean, clean slate, quote unquote. This setting you up for some more madness that's to come, especially in the future episodes. So I, I love it. It to me, it's calming. And yes. I could watch that a million times and and it's great. I mean, and it's very like the return is full of silence and quiet and sort of sort of emptiness in a way. Where, you know, I talked about this in season two. Season two is like loud and noisy and full of music. And, you know, I'm even thinking about when Nadine throws that guy when she's doing the gymnastics (laughs) thing and we get that little glitter sound effect. Like 
it's all over the place in season two. And that's fine because that's what season two is. But the return is about those gaps, is about those silences, is about that breathing room. And that's what this is to me. And I could watch it all day too. But yeah, we do have Jean-Michel in the background, still running Jacques' sort of sex work, business, whatever. And I don't know if it just feels grosser this time around because like we don't have the benefit of knowing who these girls are like we know who (laughs) Laura and Donna and to an extent Ronette like we know them a little bit better but we don't have any faces or names to these poor young young girls so it feels like it's just gotten even seedier over the years it was gross I hated it it's the same vibe it's the same everything like oh they were Oh, they were straight <laughs> whores. <laughs> you know, and like, I oh, he owes me for two. And I'm just he like, owes me for God, two. gross. Yeah. Also, Jean-Michel, like, I know he's in the Renault family, but he had like a Brooklyn, uh, like a Brooklyn Renault accent. And so, right, like when he says, he owes me for two. You know, he owes me like, for what, two. What, what? <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, I know Mama Renault. I believe this is a cousin. I I think so. I think Mama mm-hmm. Renault didn't pop this turd out. But I mean, are we you know, sure this isn't Jacques' twin? I would be mind blown. I mean, obviously it's Jacques. Spoiler, not spoiler. It's the same actor. For sure, it is. It would be. It would be great if it was. If there was something in there that said, "Oh, da da dun, Jacques had a twin." Would that be like the first twin, which I mean, if anybody's heard Talking Backwards season recap, I think they I think they brought up twins and how there's like no twins in Twin Peaks. I can't remember if they mentioned Jean-Michel, but I do think he's a cousin. But, you know, it would be great. I would love it if he was a twin to Jacques, though, just just a more uh, Americanized version. (laughs) I mean, oh, my God. Okay, it's a parent trap situation. Jean-Michel grew up in Brooklyn. Holy shit. That's canon. Okay, done. I'm good. We figured it out. We cracked the case. Uh, David Lynch, you're not as smart as you think you are. Oh, dear. (laughs) Just kidding. All right. (laughs) I still want that threesome. I'll be 40 in a couple of years. Hasn't happened yet, hey? Wow. All right. (laughs) No response. No word. (sighs) Well, for now, let's head to South Dakota where Mr. C and Ray are released from prison. Not a lot to say. They get out. No. I mean, they just get out. There's no escaping. They just get out. Nope. They open up the front door for him. So. Well, after an ominous yet somehow soothing shot of the Twin Peaks woods at night, we head to the double R. Someone bursts in looking for Billy, but neither group of customers knows where to find him. Now, I say neither group because it's very clear that there is a switching of either uh, either this is happening on two different nights, we're seeing two different nights at the double R, or it's a different time on the same night because there are just people that aren't there all of a sudden in the next shot, or there's people that have switched spots. Uh, like, for example, in the opening shot, we see Heidi over at a table taking an order. It comes back. All of a sudden, she's behind the counter. The man that Shelly was serving coffee to, no longer there afterwards. And in the interview I shared, I think in our part two show notes, it was an interview with Mark Frost. He says that this is intentional. So it's not a continuity error. It's not, it's not any, it's, it is intentional. It is meant to be there. So what do you think's happening? Glitch in the matrix. I have well, no clue. I mean, 
Yeah, like, t- because it's like the noise doesn't stop. This was another thing that I noticed. Right. The rumblings of it being a chit chatter. Yeah. Doesn't stop. But, and I don't know if it was me trying to look for a glitch or look for something that looked like one. It just felt very like, doop, real quick, obviously, like we're saying right here. And then it was very different. Yes. So, I, I I mean, the best thing I could come up with is literally like a, some sort of glitch in the matrix. Because even after the guy runs in and says, you know, has anyone seen Billy? It's even the way like Shelly's face looks afterwards, like everything, like it didn't, didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, well, I would think it would and be even, very odd yeah. for someone to run in and do that. And then, cause it looked like the chitter chatter didn't stop, but it, it was like a freeze frame for like half of a second. And then it was back to moving and things like that. But that's when everything was different. So well, in the way that Norma looks up from her booth, which, by the way, I feel like she's not there in the finishing shot. Second part finishing or shot? Whatever. I don't think that's what it's called, but look at, me, look at me with my lingo. Um, <laughs> but she's, like, not in her booth. And even the way she looks up, it could just be the scene from when Becky came into the diner. Like, she's looking up in the same way. So, anyway, I have more on that in the spoiler section, so... Okay. Well, that is how we end the episode. Another episode that does not end at the roadhouse. So far, we've had part one, part five, and part seven that don't end at the roadhouse. I don't know what that means, but, you know, you know me just taking the coin out of my pocket and putting it on the table for us to look at. So I know. I know. Well, we're obviously going to head into, oh, we got to do our dedication first. Yes, let's do our dedications. Well, so the episode itself is dedicated to Warren Frost, but you also had the fabulous idea of giving a shout out to. Yes. Let me make sure that I, I I'm going to. That's why I threw hardest. it to you. <laughs> well, and that's okay. Cause I think I've got it uh, down pretty good. So let's also dedicate this to Walter. Oklowitz. No, Oklowitz. Oh, that sounds right. Yeah. Oklowitz. Uh, I'm so sorry if that is not how you pronounce it, but obviously he did pass away, uh, last year, later in the year. Um, and, uh, he was, we know him as Jacques, but then also in this episode, he was Jean-Michel. I don't know, but I feel like we don't see him anymore in the series. I don't think that that's spoilery. I just don't recall him. That's why I don't think that we see him anymore. No. Um, I didn't remember. So it's very background. So yeah, right. So yeah, it might um, be background like we saw in part two. I think right, right. So yeah, Yeah. definitely. I think a dedication to both of them because obviously when the return came out, he was still with us. So I think it's yeah, it would do justice for him for it to be dedicated to him as well. Yeah, since he has passed from us. So I know. Yeah. By the bullet, baby. I was just about to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Which is actually, I don't know, is that morbid? Because he did buy the bullet. (laughs) I feel he would appreciate it. Okay, thank you. He's being honored for his work. He's being memorialized. It's a very iconic line. I think he'd be cool with it. I don't know. Okay, cool. All right. Don't haunt me, Walter. I'm sorry. I was about to say, Walter, hit us up. Let us know. Or hit us up. Yeah. Yeah. Flicker flicker the lights if you're with us. Ooh. He's not here. 
<laughs> not in this moment. Not in this moment. Walter, I'll tell you what else you could do. And you and everybody else could do this too. You could rate and review the show. If there we go you now. enjoyed, if you enjoyed that shout out, that memoriam in memoriam, that uh, that episode, you could rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. You know, we say dangle and sprinkle those stars. Shake those stars our way, baby. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. Um, <laughs> also, come hang out with us on the socials. Uh, we're mostly on Instagram. We say this every episode. We try to get on Twitter. It's just we you know, we're, we're, we're just mostly over at Instagram yeah. at damn fine TV. Um, you can find me at superficial Mel's, and you can find me at damn fine, Witch. and we also have a Patreon, as we mentioned already a couple of times, this is our Patreon exclusive video for the month of March. So every month we just pick one episode from our regular podcast to also record in video format. But we have other videos that come out over there. We have Hangouts. We have a Discord channel. There's a ton of shit going on. You should check it out. I guess that's it. I guess we're going to head into that spoiler section. If you're not coming with us. We'll see you next time for part eight. Holy shit. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Hello out there. We are back. It's the final round of Black Lodge, White Lodge game three. We are down to it. We are down to it. Let's, let's do a quick recap. Yeah, I was about to say. All the folks that came through the Black Lodge this time around, some of them we lost, two of them we still have with us here today. We have Double A Ron. Told you I was gonna call you that, sorry bud. We've got Dave the Hater. Hey, and hey, unfortunately, hey, hey. we did lose our pals John. Agent Ivy and Sheriff Dylan, they all put up a good game, but it just wasn't enough for this round of Black Lodge, White Lodge. Now we're going to see who's going to make it through. Are you ready? Are you Woo! ready, Melz? I am ready. Whew. Okay. Spin that wheel. Oh, my goodness. We are down to it. Mm-hmm. Who is it going to be? Oh, my goodness. Oh, woo, woo, woo. What do we have here? Oh, double A, Ron. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. The arm overheard you saying that Mike is a way better dancer than that gum on branches could ever be. Wow. Way harsh tie. Say hello to non-existent. Better luck next time, double A, Ron. Oh, oh. We're going to miss you, A.A. Ron, but you come back, okay? Please come come back. back. You come back from Mr. O'Shaughnessy. Oh, man, I didn't say that right, but O'Shaughnessy, whatever. You know whose office I'm talking about. You come back from the principal's office and you get back in the game, okay? You get back in that game. Okay. In an upset, not seen by the world. We have a winner, baby. It is Dave the Hater. Wow, Dave the Hater. While the evolution of the arm is busy helping Mr. D squeeze someone's hand off, you use all the knowledge you've gained in your time here, how the curtains work, how to talk backwards, how to interpret astrological alignments, and make your way out of the lodge. You win, Black Lodge, White Lodge. Congratulations, Dave the Hater. Hey, 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 hey. 
leader. You came into this lodge with perfect courage, I guess, because your soul was not annihilated. Yeah. Right, right, wow. right. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, Bob, wow. Congrats to Dave the Hater, but also I guess we should say, you know, Double A-Ron, you have won a very exclusive Damn Fine TV sticker. So both of you, Dave the Hater, Double A-Ron, you both need to get in touch. Let us know you were the winner slash runner up of this month's Black Lodge, White Lodge, and we will get you your goods. Okay. Yes. Thank you for playing. Yes. Thank you to everyone for playing another round of Black Lodge, White Lodge. Can't wait to get to the next one and we'll see you next time for that. Meanwhile. And we're back in the spoiler slash connection section. <laughs> we're doing our own now. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Much like yeah. Janet was doing her own bings, we're doing our own zaps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Oh. Well, speaking of part eight, there's, I feel like a lot of part eight foreshadowing in this episode. I mean, just the posters or like artwork in Gordon Cole's office, like the corn that's on this like black background, of course, like the atomic bomb. Also, when Mr. C is getting released from prison, it's a very like black and white sort of filter. I don't even know what to call that, but it did not look like there was any color in those shots. Mm-mm. And then, of Mm-mm. course, we have the sooty men who are probably woodsmen. Of course, we had one already in the jail cell, as we mentioned, but then there was the one that was in the morgue. I mean, is this a good part to maybe speculate why these guys are showing up in these specific places? Yeah, that's what I wanted to kind of elaborate on here. Um, it seems that there's a connection. We'll obviously kind of learn more when we when we catch back up with Bill Hastings. But uh feels like these woodsmen are kind of popping up where it's got something to do with Major Briggs. Um, yeah. You know, because Bill and everything that he was trying to uncover with Ruth um, was centered around Blue Rose, was centered around Major Briggs. So we see the woodsman, I get, you know, in the jail cell. And then also we've got, I mean, Major Briggs' body here at the morgue. And then we, so we've got them showing up there as well. So I felt obviously like some strong ties to whatever it is that the connection of major briggs is to just all just of the, whatever. it's very hard to yeah. explain yeah yeah because yeah. later we are gonna see them i mean uh, that's how bill hastings is gonna die and it's like mm. like why huh. it's like why major briggs well why major briggs why i mean i guess bill hastings because major briggs like that right. connection but then they also show up to help mr c not die from being shot they're like looking out for things that belong to the lodge or yeah i don't know so it's gonna be very interesting to maybe try to keep that like in our minds as mm-hmm. we as we start to get more scenes that involve mm-hmm. the woodsmen and what's going on. Um, I kind of feel like the major Briggs stuff, not that it fizzles out, but I mean, once we do lose Bill, it feels like it transitions then kind of a little bit more into uh, we will see them next episode, obviously, with you know, Mr. C. But then after Bill Hastings, it feels like it transitions into a lot more things centered around Mr. C, like when he 
finds Percolator Jeffries and all of Right. Yes. When he goes to the convenience store Mm -hmm. and everything like that. So. But it is definitely all Lodge related in a way. And I should say that the that little idea of like are they coming to like watch over lodge type things is also another thing from the talking backwards recap like they were talking about are they protecting things uh and that really got my my gears going on that but mm-hmm. yeah but the jail it's like they're checking in to make sure that bill isn't giving away too much information or yeah and then when he does, when he takes them to the vortex well, or whatever, good point. that's, we got to get rid of you, Bill. Like, and like in that moment, I can't remember, does Diane see them? It feels like she does see them. And well, and well, that's but another, she's a Talpa. So, I mean, I was about to yeah. say, and also, I, yeah, I feel like she's probably, I, she would be more tapped into like this, obviously blue rose and everything like that. Then the Lieutenant Knox at the morgue sure. or anybody in the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department or no, not Twin Peaks. Sorry. Uh, at, in the yeah. Buckhorn Sheriff's yeah. Department where Bill is. So, um, but, but like you said, she's also a Tulpa. So, right. Well, and speaking of that, do you think that, do you think Diane's apartment was always like, is that always been her apartment? Is that real Diane's apartment? Uh, listen, I don't know. And I was actually, go- I was thinking about this specifically. It's funny you bring it up because there were a lot of moments. And I know that it's kind of like when we, when they created Dougie and they manufactured him. And I, I, but I don't think they gave Dougie Cooper memories. Like that's not what he was manufactured for. I know that's what Diane's Tulpa right. was manufactured for. So it's very, um, I see where it can be confusing because up until you learn that she's a Tulpa, you obviously have no idea. You think it's Diane and and she's got all of these memories and she's very scared of Mr. C because she's programmed that Mm -hmm. way. But like, when did it happen? Like, like you said, like, is this Diane's actual apartment? Because like, Gordon and Albert knew where to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, Albert knew where she drinks and hangs out. So he... Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Like, there's definitely distinctions between the kind of memories that Dougie was allowed to have, which I think were nothing. And maybe that's because he was created from Mr. C and not Cooper. So... True. But then again, like, I think Mr. C has Cooper's memories. So that... I don't think that means anything, actually. But yeah, it's like Diane's Tulpa was allowed, quote unquote, to have the memories because, yeah, she's made for a different purpose. So that kind of leads into another question of mine. Like in these scenes. And I think maybe she goes back and forth, honestly, but like, do we ever think there's a moment when Tulpa Diane thinks like does not know she's a Tulpa and thinks she is Diane? I th- I mean, I think so, unless it's, she was just playing it <laughs> so incredibly well. Right. Because it, there was so much emotion and feeling. Like, that's why I really paid attention to that this time around. Like, seeing Mr. C, watching her visceral reaction to him and the conversation she has with Gordon afterwards. It, 
You know what I mean by that? Yes, it's like, and it's like if she's because we know she's somehow working with Mr. C or like actually I don't even want to call it that. Like she's being puppeteered by him to make uh-huh. certain movements. Like I don't, I don't know that there's a huge conscious awareness of her being like I work with him now. Like right, but yeah, like I I feel like maybe she goes in and out, but maybe for the most part she legitimately thinks she's the real Diane. And it's not until later that all of that comes flooding back. Right. It's like what, like, right. When she got that message and it's almost like that, that was like some subliminal thing. I keep thinking of Westworld. It's like, that's when she Mm. became sentient Mm -hmm. and was like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is what I was meant. Okay. I'm actually here. But then, but then again, it's like that scene on the plane where I said, Laura Dern was walking that line so nicely between like, is she psyching herself up to go and see Mr. C or is she listening in for info? Yeah. Like for like Intel, not for herself, for Mr. C. And maybe that's also a subconscious thing that she doesn't realize that she's doing. Yeah. It's so good. It's it's so layered. It's so, ugh. Maybe Gordon doesn't hug back because he's starting to sense that there's something off about her as well. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, that's another thing when we, I mean, when we get to that scene where we find out that she's a Tulpa, I can't wait to get to that, to be honest, because I want to read the room a little bit better Mm. because something was obviously being thought about not just with Gordon, but with Albert too, because I mean, Albert is real quick to be on top of. Oh yeah. Her I think they knew something plan. a little bit before this anyway, maybe not in this moment, but remember they're looking at her text messages and stuff and yeah. 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 So, mm-hmm. well, my final thing uh, is just about the double R. I, I really don't know what the answer is like I don't know if it's two different nights I don't know if we're seeing multiple like maybe one shot is from 6 p.m and another shot is from 9 p.m but it's the same night and that would explain why there's some of the same people still hanging around but it's also like maybe this is like you said a glitch and this is where the timeline is sort of split or changed when Cooper saves quote-unquote Laura yeah. Like that is my best guess. I, and I like that. I wouldn't have come up with that myself. I mean, I just. Well, but I, you I, said I the just, glitch. I mean, like that's. Well, right. I just didn't know if it was a glitch. Like when we talk about time in Twin Peaks, it's yeah. like. I mean, we see these glitchy things happen. Um, and, and I think back to like, obviously, when later on we see our fave guys head out to Jack Rabbit's place, you know, or Pat Palace, excuse me. And all of that whole sequence with the moving and looks like, like, uh, projections, uh, from the body, you know, all of that. So it's like, is this like a, when we just talk about how things happen in, in Twin Peaks, but it has to be more significant than just like you said, like, it has to, I feel like it has to signify something. And that's why I think nothing is linear in the return. Everything that we see, doesn't matter what part we see it in, is not happening in any particular order whatsoever. Well, look, I don't know how long it would actually take a key to move through the mail, but it felt very quick to me. 
Right. I don't know. Right. Like it's not a package. So, and it's not moving from country to country. So it's not moving through customs or anything, but it felt a little, but thick. it's also, but it's also just like, I, it's also just a key. Mm-hmm. Like it's not an envelope. I don't know. Like it, it's like, it ha- it feels like it would have to go through some process through the postal service because it's not properly packaged. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it you know does say I mean? like, like it does say on the back you can just drop it in a mailbox and it'll be delivered, but it just true. it still feels yeah, I don't know. But I I mean, I like that idea like I'm fine with that being the thing like, you know, maybe in both timelines, the the as they would call it, the official and the unofficial version, somebody came in looking for Billy. And we're just seeing it play out in both times. Well, that's all I've got. Do you have a, do you have anything? I, I when we see Jerry in the forest, this mm-hmm. is not really. I mean, this is just a thought that I had. But we'll go on to see a lot of shenanigans with Jerry in oh, the forest. Yeah. Like this is not my foot. All of these things, but it feels like all of that is at the same in yeah. the same span yeah, of yeah, time. Yeah. It feels like that's all during the day, and then what leads up to that night is when he does see. Uh, you know, Richard get electrocuted. Yeah. But I love that that feels like it's congruent, right? But look at all of the things that happen mm-hmm. in between. So, like, that's where I get my main, like, thoughts when I see, like, when I see scenes like this where I'm like, so much feels like it's going on and moving like you should be each episode should be like a different date or like a different day, but you get scenes like this where it's like, no, like this is a continuous over several parts. Yes. A continuous scene. Right. So, um, it just like, that just what is what got me thinking like throughout this whole thing, like nothing being linear and nothing being, especially when we get to the double R and then we have the questions about Diane and we have the questions about, cause we've already seen Nido. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like, when was that versus, so you see where I'm going yeah. with all this? It's just yeah. like, it's that much more interesting to me because the original series did follow a very basic, like one day per episode kind of structure. If it wasn't one day, we kind of, we might finish one episode in the afternoon, but pick up with it right away in the next episode. So it was, it did follow a very, very linear kind of yeah, basic structure. Yeah. but And it's so much different here. Yeah. So nothing really spoilery except I just cannot fucking wait for party. Yes. I cannot wait to see it's gonna the be fun. nine inch nails. I cannot wait. The All nine of... inch nails. Yeah, that's going to be Which great. I'm going to see them in September. I and know. I really, really hope that somehow we sneak. She's gone away in there, but I doubt it. How come? Why not? I don't know. Because they're probably just playing their actual like mainstream, like the hits, play free bird. Yeah, yeah sure. You but never know. Anyway. I one time went to see The Black Keys, and it was just after, like, El Camino was released, but my favorite song is from their first album. They played an eight-minute version of that song. Ah. And I, like, could not be expected, because why wouldn't they just be playing the hits of the new record and then a couple hits from the past? But no, they played that song for eight fucking minutes, and I died. That's amazing. Oh, see? Yeah. So, I mean, I could be pleasantly surprised. You never know. But. You never know. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, if that's all for this week, there's a very strange humming we need to go investigate. Girl, I swear, if we find out it is just James singing just you at that strange high pitch again, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. (laughs) Have you ever eaten moldy chocolate? The tardigrade? I'm Jasmine. Swear on Satan, I'll do that. That's my headcanon. Okay. Into it, into it, into it, into it. All of it. I'm Mel's. I love it. Dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> and if you're watching TV. I love it. Make sure it's damn fine TV. This is amazing. That's, that was awesome. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Maybe the silliest <laughs> one I've ever written. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But when I saw. Okay. So when I saw this, I was like, what? This isn't where James. <laughs> like I, I had an existential crisis because I was like, I know we are not episode. there yet. Not this yeah. episode. You know what it was? It was the fact that I know. Well, first of all, I know he's going to sing, and I know it's going to be that strange, you know, little baby teenage voice. But also the fact that he's the one that gets sent to investigate the humming. So it was like all these things swirling up here in this weird old brain. Yeah. Not a weird old brain. A very magnificent brain. Thank you.